This is Observations QNO Podcast for Friday, the 14th of October. No, the 15th of October, 2021. As an aside, uh, the music that you are listening to was not composed by a human being. It was composed entirely via an artificial intelligence system. I just, I just thought you might like to know that. In any event, uh, in any event, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. I'm Michael Ed. And I'm Bruce McQuain. And there's a wealth of things to talk about. Um, I, I, it's almost difficult to know where to start, but let's start off by what we were just talking about, Bruce, simply because it's amusing and it's a funny way to start. Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, has been on paternal leave, we found out yesterday, for the last two months. I put the following proposition to you. If you can leave your job for two months without anyone realizing it, perhaps it is time to question your value to the organization. You think? And especially when you have a damn supply chain crisis that's been going on before the administration took over. And you spend six months and then walk away for two to nuzzle babies. Well, that's good. That's good. By the way, did you guys know that there was a, a, a supply chain uh, panel uh, that uh, has been around since the Biden administration took uh, office? Yeah, neither did No, I didn't else. notice that. <laughs> no. yeah, neither, neither did anybody else. <laughs> Although considering the state of the supply chain, I'm willing to start blaming them for it because everything that Joe Biden's administration touches turns to poo. Well, it it should be noted, too, that this is actually one of the constitutionally granted powers to Congress, or at least to the federal government, that, you know, taking care of, like, you know, what is it, uh, postal roads and and routes and whatever, which is turned into transportation. This is actually one of the ones that's, you know, has constitutional heft, and nobody's at the helm. Well, the whole thing about it is this, the, you know, the supply chain is run mostly private. And, and of course. right now, the biggest bottleneck out there is in California. And there are a number of reasons for that, none of which have to do with private enterprise, or most of which have nothing to do with private enterprise. And, you know, unions don't work 24-hour shifts out there. Uh, there's one at Long Beach that's been working almost 24 hours. They have a 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. Where, where they're off, but the rest of them have never done. Two, California has said trucks with engines that were built before 2011 can't play in California. They've also right. passed AB5 that says owner-operators can't play in California. So it's not a problem, particularly, of getting more containers off ships uh, with longshoremen it's transportation, you know, railroads, warehouses, trucks, which are, you know, you got the stuff stacked to the roof and nobody can truck it out. And in fact, what they had to do is take these trucks uh, that do pass muster there and pick up containers and take them to the damn state line and put them on trucks that can't play. In take them to Arizona and drop them off in Yuma. Yeah. It's the damnedest thing you've ever seen. And this this is something uh, that is all California. 
they, you know, I, getting getting Target and Federal Express and Walmart to commit to hauling more crap out of there isn't going to do a thing. Yeah, and uh, I, I do want to point out, though, that even though this is a big California problem, uh, there is a backlog of ships waiting to dock in Savannah as well in your neck of the woods. Backward. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And New yeah, York no, I, as well. And, and that's because a lot of shippers have been rerouting. But it's also because the truck, and you brought this up, Bruce, it's the truckers are the real problem. It's not yeah, a matter yes. of getting the the uh, the cargo off the ships. It says they don't have any place to put them because they just keep stacking up. And if you don't have truckers to move them out or trains to put them on, then I mean they're just going to build up. There's not enough space to safely operate a port. Uh, so I mean, and this, and then you're getting into. I mean, I. I'm not even sure where private enterprise enters the problem here. It seems to me to be all government, whether it's at the well, state level or hurting, county level or right, definitely what's the federal level. Yeah, right, what's holding it up is government. Uh, but the ports and the trucking and all that, the railroads and that type of stuff, those are all basically private enterprise. But the, the more restrictions you put on private enterprise, i.e. you can't, if you're an owner operator, you can't come in and haul stuff. If if you have an engine uh, built before 2010, then you can't come in and haul stuff. Well, naturally, in the midst of a 66,000 driver trucking problem, uh, you know they're short 66,000 drivers uh, nationwide. Uh, then you then you knock out everything before 2011, and you don't let owner operators uh, operate. Of course, you're going to have a crisis. Of course, you can have a problem getting stuff out of there. I mean, God, that's just common sense, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know what they could do? They could call the National Guard, just as they have for hospitals who fired unvaccinated workers, and have National Guard come in and fill those positions. Except I don't think that the trucks the National Guard drives are going to be trucks that California wants to have operating on our public highways. <laughs> I, You know, I thought of that, and I wondered about that. Uh, I mean, and it seems like something actually the National Guard would be in their purview. At least I thought. I wasn't sure. But uh, oh. the problem is, like, hey. I mean, how do you, what, the, the, the problem is, you're, I mean, just Bruce just parted up. You're short, uh, you know, 66,000 truckers. I mean, do we have 66,000 national? I mean, I, I suppose we do. I mean, they can run anything, I guess, but. I mean that that's a big deal. Uh, those long truckers, a, especially. It is a big deal. You can't get a commercial. Part of that is because you can't get a commercial driver's license until you're uh, a CDL until you're 21. Well, you know most of those that are going to want to drive a truck uh, are coming out of high school. You know that's where you're going to get these guys. Well, that's a three year gap. Uh, gee, maybe they want to find something else to do between that. And so. They're not getting the, the average age of a truck driver today is 55. So you can imagine uh, how uh, how many are going to retire in the near future and how little there is in the pipeline to fill that. I mean, that's one of the reasons they're, they're so well interested in the self-driving trucks now, because they just physically are not going to have the bodies to fill the cabs. Well, we don't have the bodies to fill the cabs now because we're so short and these it's going to be an awfully lean Thanksgiving and probably an awfully lean Christmas as well. Yeah. I, I, and we're already starting to see it. 
Uh, if you live in the middle of the country, you're going to be screwed first. But eventually, we're all going to be screwed, give it another couple of months. Uh, as we mentioned last or week before last on the podcast, um, the UN, the, the three largest international shipping organizations, which represent both the labor and management, told the UN that the global supply chain is on the verge of collapsing. Yeah. Yep. It's a bit of a mess, yes. And, of course, the UN now, immediately leaped into an action. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote a very well, strongly worded letter. <laughs> that's right. And they'll talk about it for about a month or two. Yes, they'll view it with concern, believe me. Yes, yes they will. <laughs> it's good to know, isn't it? But and that's an interesting factor, though, and unique is that this is a worldwide problem. You know, it's not just our laws. It's not just our government. Um, it's, it's worldwide. It's well, it's well, COVID. It's, COVID it's has finally given them the, the excuse, right? The, and well, no, they no, have no. all used it similarly. Well, I, I, I think when you panic over a pandemic like we have, and the world has, and you shut down everything, some places much worse than others, uh, you know, it's the old but butterfly effect. Uh, it's going to eventually impact out in the in the uh, you know in the distance uh, pretty hard, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the, you know all those months where we shut everything down and nothing was produced, shipped, or or or, or uh, made its way this way uh, is now catching up with us. We're, we're starting to see that ripple effect, well, and. We now have them stacked up at ports, uh, you know, now that they've gotten here, they're stacked up to ports and we're still playing the silly pandemic. There's an even more fundamental problem with that. And at the risk of sounding very unlibertarian, when you outsource your entire supply chain to sure. Asia, and even if it works great in normal times, there is no slack. And by the way, it's, it's not just the supply chain in Asia here in the United States, there is no slack anywhere in the supply chain. Thanks to Walmart and just in time inventory, we now have set up a system that as long as everything is running normally, we can expect our store shelves to be stocked multiple times a week with all the goods that we want and everything is fine. If you begin throwing in a, a COVID lockdown, for example, and you start getting whiplash effects from this downstream, which is what we're starting to see now, um, those don't seem like really great ideas. They're great on a day-to-day -day basis, but there's no slack in that system. There's no way right. of saying, okay, if there's some sort of horrific event that occurs, how do we ensure that uh, cities don't run out of food in three days? And I think the, the fundamental problem is our uh, assumption has been, we got this thing licked, man. We know how all this stuff works. No matter what happens, we're fine because we've got this thing nailed. Oh, guess what? We're not fine. We don't have this thing nailed. And if we start seeing empty supermarket shelves, uh, people are going to get really edgy really quickly. Yeah. Well, the, fir really the, exactly first, right. the first rule of any system is where's my redundancy, right? I mean, if this fails, where do I go for backup? I mean, any system, doesn't matter what the system is. Uh, like, for example, I, I, I happen to be part of a, a business continuity uh, um, uh, council and for, for a company. And 
we have to actually look at redundancies in order to keep business going. That's literally one of the main things you look at. And, you know, well, if this fails, what do we do next? Engineers do this. Uh, systems people do this. Logistics people do. I mean, this is a very common thing when you have to make things work. We don't do that in the business world. Well, I'm getting it super cheap. I get, uh, uh, you know, great return on my money. I make the shareholders happy. Ergo, it must be good. And I don't think it's anti-libertarian at all. What, what you're saying, Dale, the only anti-libertarian thing is if we say, well, then government should come in and bail them out. You know, you made a calculated risk that nothing would go wrong and you failed. That, that, that's, that's simply what happened. You know, you never took into uh, the, these companies have never taken into account national security threats because they thought, well, you know, we're top dog will always be top dog and nothing will ever change. Yeah, well, let's let's add that complicating factor into it. Right now, we have President Xi, and I even hate to refer to him as president because it, it, it confers a, a flavor of, of democratic legitimacy on the man that he doesn't deserve. That's right. He's not even, he's Chairman uh, Xi, yeah. right? Chairman he's, he's Xi. He's head of the, of the communist, the Chinese Communist Party. That's the only reason he holds power. Yeah, Chairman Xi has been sending fighters to Taiwan. Uh, the China, uh, I keep wanting to say South China Post, but that's not controlled by the Chinese government. Uh, China Daily uh, is now running op-eds from all sorts of people saying, you know what, we ought to head on down to Taiwan and just take that bad boy over. And even he has said, you know, this can't be a generational or a task that we pass from generation to generation. We need to do it. Well, okay, so let's say they invade Taiwan. What are we going to do? Well, there's not much we can do because anything that we do will in in our supply chain for practically every manufactured good at this point being completely shut off by the Chinese. So what we have done is we have outsourced our national security to the Chinese Communist Party uh, for any issues that arise in Asia. And hell, at this point, uh, Africa and increasingly Central America. Yep. And I, Gee, I, I swear I, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I understand all the libertarian <laughs> arguments and and the the David Ricardo, you know, comparative advantage arguments in economics that well, if the Chinese can do it cheaper. We need to send it over to China. That assumes that China is a normal nation, and it's right. not. Well, the, again, it always comes down to the all things being equal. So you're looking at a specific case. Ricardo said this as well. And every one of these thought experiments are done on the basis of, you know, there could be perturbations to the system and we don't know what they're going to be. But if we look at it in, in this sort of vacuumized uh, instance, this is the best path forward. That doesn't mean it's always the best path forward because you have to add in other variables. And as the system gets more complicated, the more variables come in. We know this from when they tried to, uh, um, you know, this is the, the birth of chaos theory, right? It is uh, when they tried to model weather and, you know, the, the computer printout was to 10 decimals, but the computer memory was to 12 decimal places. And when they inputted, you know, when to look at something that happened the night before, 
it caused hurricanes in, in Japan. This is where the butterfly effect came from. Uh, you know, th- those small perturbations, those small variables can have a great effect. Uh, well, especially we don't know what all the variables are. Yeah, especially in combination with others that, that right. occur all the time here and there. And so, you know, n- nobody has a go to help. You know, it's uh, what happens to the, the scenarios, you know, you sit there with the scenarios and say, well, what, we're great apparently at, at, at doing that with climate change, even though we use, you know, BS uh, data, but we have none for apparently for, for business, uh, uh, you know, feeding ourselves, uh, clothing ourselves, housing ourselves. We, we don't have those kind of plans. So we run into these uh, supply chain problems and man, every you know it just collapses. Everything goes to hell, and there, there's no plan to rectify. And now, here's here's, know, the, here's the problem: that. what what plan could rectify it? I mean, at this point, well, we're in the situation but, that we're in. There there are no quick yeah. fixes that that that, that no, make I'm it go away. Saying, I'm not saying I'm not saying there can be, Dale. What I'm saying is there never, was never any planning in case there was. This is just as you pointed out. Oh, let's go here. Well, let's go there. Well, you know, what's the effect of going here? What's the effect of going there? If we lose there, what do we do? If we lose here, what do we do? You know, none of that happens. And so this is how you find yourself in huge messes like this. You don't plan. And I, I don't know how to plan to get out of this mess either. Yeah, exactly. Well, because going back is never a, considered, right? Because you well, can't reverse. Well, you really can't, and that's the problem. That's one of the problems. Uh, but I, the one point I made this week was it's, it's interesting that, that Biden has finally said something about this and, and, and uh, uh, decided that uh, he was going to have these people in to talk about you know, taking more containers out of it because now he owns it. Right. It's and his. what I love about his solution. That's, that's is, one of the stupid things. You know? Right. It's, it's like, no, oh, really? Joe, thank God you thought of that because God damn it, we would have never come up with maybe just working a little harder. For fuck's sake. This is the leader of the free world. Hey, you know what? You know what you should do? Drive at night when there are fewer people on. <laughs> well, you remember you remember what Trump did. He would bring in the 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 uh, the the, uh, the uh, CEO of Ford and sit with him and then all of a sudden we find out that they weren't going to move that Ford factory to Mexico, but in fact, they're going to keep it here. And then he brings someone else and they do something else. So that's what Joe was trying to do. Well, here, let, let's take a page out of Trump's book. Let's bring these, the, the big guys in from Walmart, Federal Express, and Target. And, you know, this will this will really go over well until everybody looks and goes, are you serious? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like your... This is kind of like you're planning for the damn <laughs> Afghan withdrawal, you know? He, he did it with the usual Biden diploma. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is uh, this is about as effective and, and as well done as that as that was. But you know the what? the the protectionist crowd for years has been saying, you know, we shouldn't be outsourcing our entire supply chain for everything. Um, and their arguments always seemed silly because everything worked. Now that things don't work, okay, fine. So let's just take one thing, steel. Okay, great. We made steel in this country for 100 years. We could make steel again. No. Mm. No, we can't. <laughs> because we don't have any of the factories required to make it or the machinery that are required to make it. We'd or have to know-how. order those. We'd have to order those from China. Um, we would have to rebuild that industry from scratch. Now, it wouldn't be as hard as doing it in, say, 
you know, 1840, uh, because we already know, you know, the, you know theoretically how all this stuff works, but we don't have the manufacturing base to build that, uh, to build that industry anymore. It would take years for us to be able to replace China for that light manufacturing. Once you lose that uh, ability, and the people who used to work in it are now, you know, too old to go back and work in it. Um, you're kind of stuck. The only thing that you can do is rebuild it from scratch, which, by the way, will cost an extraordinary amount of money in time. Now do silicon. Yeah, well, it it, it doesn't. It, it it all it follows the same principle. The exact same principle. Matter of fact, even worse, because we have access to silicon. <laughs> we could actually do it here. We did for a very long time. Matter of fact, we're the first ones to do it. And now one of the biggest gluts in the, the uh, supply chain is in uh, microchips. That's not a glut. It's, it's a shortage. All right. So, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I, I said the wrong word, but. And I yeah. heard, I heard, I heard that there was a new chip plant being built in the United States. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was, uh, but yeah, they're building a, a very large one in the U S. So, so you know, I look at that as step one, exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you know, let's bring some of this back. And yeah, it may cost more, but you know what? This is where it needs to be. Yeah, but fortunately, we, we have people who built chips in this country in this century. So it's it's not a, a yeah, dead no, art. No. Like yeah, it's not a lost art. Yeah. Yep, you're right. And there are still chip manufacturers here. Well, and not many, frankly, most, uh, most of the innovation that goes on in chip building is here. And Japan, quite and Taiwan. Uh, I mean, China does do some, but it's mostly because they steal from all those other places. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, you know, this is not the point. Being out of all this is this is not a problem that is a going to be easily solved, and b is going to go away anytime soon or ever. Because uh, as soon as things go back well, to normal, possibly. I don't expect people to say, "Okay, well, fine, we got to move out of China. Let's have something," you know. A little more local as far as our supply chain. They're certainly not going to use the United States. God forbid they should have to pay people fifteen dollars an hour to do light manufacturing. But you know, Mexico still exists. It's still here. Um, so does Brazil and Costa Rica and many other countries. But all that money that you've spent in China, you're just going to have to write it off. Nobody's going to want to do that. So if we do manage to get through this, I expect we'll go back to same old, same old, and you know, China keeps saying the 21st century will be the Chinese century. Quite frankly, I see nothing that uh, would cause me to want to disabuse them of that notion. Yeah. Well, like, well, I mean, they can have that notion, but well, I mean, they well, just they I, don't I, have the wherewithal to pull it off. But not, hey, look, not I'm looking forward right. to like 70s muscles cars coming back that don't have <laughs> any electronic chips in them. <laughs> I think, yeah, exactly right. You're gonna you're gonna see some basic cars made, uh, some basic transportation that has nothing. And we actually still have the the technology our the experience. We have a literal, uh, probably a few million people in this country who could today, and probably within a month, find you the scrap, maybe six weeks, find you the scrap, build you a real car. Now it may not from, be the, the, the ground up. Of them. Yep. But you know what? It's going to be a functional vehicle, and you're going to have a manual that you can uh, 
you, you can actually fix everything on your own if you if you have the will. Um, you're going to know how everything works. And goddamn, you could cook a chicken dinner on it. Yeah, that's a great but idea. I, Here's why it can't happen: because much of these electronics are now mandated by the federal government. You want a car? Oh, oh, you're going to need a. You're going to need a. You're going to need a rear view <laughs> camera, Mister, because you can't yeah. sell a car in this country without a rear view camera system. Uh huh. So yeah, don't don't don't, don't get all excited about your brand new 1973 Mustang Mach One. <laughs> we're, gonna, yeah. we're gonna have outlaw cars <laughs> that's right outlaw cars ghost guns i mean all that good stuff this is like turning out to, you remember the movie brazil uh it was a terry gilliam yeah. and uh uh eric uh idol idol a, a brilliant movie that a dystopian movie that i always thought and it's why I've watched it so many times. I thought it described better than uh, any other dystopian book or, or movie uh, how it would actually, because it was entirely bureaucracy run. Oh, you didn't do the forms? <laughs> you didn't do this? You didn't get that before you did? And of course, uh, Robert De Niro stars as the renegade air conditioning repairman. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing. And yet, you, you kind of can see it coming. Yeah, well, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought Idiocracy was a cute science fiction movie. I didn't expect it to be a documentary. <laughs> well, that's the truth. But, that is the but, truth. But here we are. Mm, mm, mm. And Joe, 81 million votes, Biden is in charge. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I just, it, makes you, it makes you question your sanity. I mean, like today, <clears throat> I forget who it was, put put a tweet up that uh, it's an old Joe Biden tweet. It says Donald Trump's remain in Mexico policy is dangerous, inhumane, and goes against everything yeah. we stand for as a nation of immigrants. And then the Supreme Court said, hey, Joe, uh, you can't do away with the remain in Mexico program. And so he put out today, Biden is to re-implement Trump's remain in Mexico in November. Yeah. yeah, well, thanks to the Supreme Court. <laughs> well, you know, this is just when your your basic premise for governing is to reverse everything the bad orange man said. That's that's what you get. You know, the stupid stuff like that. Let's go. But over you and, know, it's not even that though. You know, it, it it's a lot deeper than that. The the left has been trying to re-stratify, re uh, create classes for a very very long time, and I mean the political left. I don't care what you call them. Democrats, it doesn't really matter to me. You can't but do Marxist analysis without classes. Right. And so that's what they're trying to recreate. And so instead of doing it by economical, uh, uh, you know, striations, they're now doing it by racial striations, uh, sexual striations, anything they can do to get um, some sort of striations in there and these are the people that have power these are the people don't have power and we're all treated differently um they're you know the elite the 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 uh, power elite have you know these powers and so these privileges the managerial class are you know basically employed to sick uh you know all, all these ideas on the lower classes and to squeeze the actual production classes 
the, you know, the bourgeoisie. It's, I mean, it's a classic formation, but this is something that they've been trying to do for uh, decades. And they've been, frankly, quite successful because that's where we stand now. I mean, we see it in the political realm quite, you know, starkly. Uh, who is it? Andrew McCabe. And I'm just, I'm still kind of shocked okay. at this, even though I shouldn't be. Let's get into uh, that. Yeah. This guy just got uh, back pay of $200,000. First of all, got his wrongful termination suit um, validated. So he was wrongfully terminated, despite the fact that he lied to the FBI. Was uh, reinstated was uh, granted $200,000 in back pay pensions, pension payments alone, $500,000 in attorney's fees, was given a set of FBI cufflinks, <laughs> and had his like status uh, as retired with honors or something. What the fuck are we doing here? I mean, clearly that is a privilege, right? That's a privilege of a different class that neither of us, or any of us, uh, is in. I mean, you, you, and my mind always goes back to that, uh, you know, whatever, you know, first class ensign or wherever he was who, like, took pictures of this uh, steam pipe on a submarine, which he shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, but he was trying to show off how cool his job was. It was stupid. It was wrong. And he should have been punished. But that guy gets the break. Yep, and, Adam McCabe does way worse and gets and, his cufflinks. I mean, yeah. what the fuck? Well, yeah, we, I, you know, we've been talking about this two-tiered system of justice in this country for how long? Yeah, and that's a perfect example of it. Although I think it would be amusing if some enterprising U.S. attorney were just to prosecute him for lying to the FBI. Yeah, and, but, but we, that's the thing: is we know it's to not going to happen. Yeah. No, of course not. It's just a fantasy that I have. I recognize that. I'm a because man of the it world. crosses classes. And that's the thing. We have become a classified society. And, you know, for all the talk about, well, we, we want all the classes to be the same in all the Soviet, uh, not even Soviet, just Marxist rhetoric. That's exactly what they want. They need it. Orwell saw this uh, 60, 70 years ago. And called it out as such. Animal Farm is like really a great treatise. I mean, what is it? It's only like 90 pages, 100 pages long. Yeah, it's I a mean, really short book. I mean, it lays it out quite exquisitely in a parable type form that, look, people who have power are going to use it and they're going to exert it over who they need to. And they're going to make and the people so who they most need, which are the largest number of people to follow them they're going to use it to say hey you know what you should be really mad at are these people who are right below us <laughs> who are banging on the door to get in into our world well there has been an interesting development that perfectly illustrates that this week marine corps lieutenant colonel stuart scheller who uh, made public statements in defiance of orders about how the military leadership of this country needed to be accountable for the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan, um, was court-martialed. And he, in his words, as, a, uh, as an object lesson to the military's leadership, pled guilty to all charges in a special court-martial. 
and um, he was sentenced to a $5,000 fine and a letter of reprimand, although who that's going to come from is uh, uh, interesting because courts martial judges can't write letters of reprimand, so presumably that'll come from somewhere in his chain of command, and obviously he'll be leaving the service without his, his retirement. But uh, well, that's part that that was part of the deal, but he resigned. yeah, he it, what, there was a deal, right, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, it was he had a, well, he had a yeah. plea deal, yeah. Well, he, yeah, but but the deal was a letter of reprimand and a fine. That was the deal. the 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 amount of the fine, though, was the prosecution asked for six months at five thousand dollars a month. The judge uh, that said no. Five thousand dollars a month, and, and then he well, actually he was going to impose two months, and then credited him for his time in the brig. And he apparently really let the uh, the the command have it over putting him in the brig. Uh, and and I understand his point. You know, the, you put people in pretrial confinement when you're you're pretty sure they're not they're going to try not to be around when the their trial date comes up. You know, they're going to they're going to uh, go AWOL or try to desert or whatever. Or they've been AWOL or tried to desert. Those are the guys that end up in pretrial confinement. So the command putting him in pretrial, he, the judge was not happy about that at all. And that's one of the reasons that he didn't go with the prosecution's requ- uh, request for uh, six months at $5,000. Still, he will have a federal conviction on his record. Although, interestingly enough, as I read the charges, they all appear to be military crimes. Yep. Not yeah, crimes and they're that considered... Were- yeah. Right, and they're considered misdemeanors. In, in, right. In, yeah, it was a special court yeah, martial. Yeah. It would be a misdemeanor. It was a, it was a misdemeanor court. Not yeah. in every state, because there are several states that refuse to recognize purely military offenses as criminal offenses. True. So conduct unbecoming, yeah. Failure to obey, yeah, that's a military deal. We don't consider that a crime. So, you know, in many places in the United States, it, it will have no effect on him at all. Actually, you know, I don't think this guy's going to have any time, any problem getting a job. I think there are people out there waiting to suck him up. Now, that could be a problem that, you know, that could be a curse, because if he gets uh, aligned with the wrong people who just use him, he he seems to me like a, a pretty sharp cookie. He he knew exactly what he was getting into and he knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, he expected to be court-martialed. He, I don't think he expected to be put in the brig. I think that was a little much. Uh, but, I, you know, I, he ex- absolutely expected all that's, that's coming down and went with it anyway because he thought it was more important. That's a guy I, I, I can respect, absolutely. And I think there are a lot of people out there that will. Apparently, and, on the bright side, he made $2 million in his legal defense fund to go fund me. Yeah, it, it, that doesn't surprise me in the least. I mean, this is a guy, frankly, that I would want in the military. Um, I understand, and, I, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, this is not, the, uh, I, I don't want to do this right now. But, you know, I understand why there is, uh, you know, the UCMJ code against uh uh, you know, speaking out in this kind of manner. Um, and frankly, I, I, I kind of agree with it. But, you know, we're not in usual times, unfortunately. And I think he took the path that had the maximum uh, effect 
uh, it also had the maximum, you know, consequence, but it was a calculated decision. And by all that I can see, he, you know, weighed all those things in the balance and decided this was the best thing for his country. That's a big fucking deal. Yeah, that's great. He made the right decision. He did what he felt he had to do. Good on him. Yeah, well. Uh, but Mark well, Milley's still the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Lloyd Austin's exactly. still well, the secretary. Of that's right. Exactly. But and you know McKenzie's what? still the center. And they and need to all go. So who do you think is going to be now? Uh, and this is why I, I think he needs to be very careful. Because he is going to be the foil to go after these guys. And I think that's, I think he's a good foil. Don't get me wrong. But if he gets caught up with the wrong crowd, um, he'll be less than useless. Yeah. Well, that's, well, uh, that's yeah. largely in, that's largely in, uh, in his ballpark. Not, that, not anybody else. Yeah. I was going to just to address some of the stuff you said, Michael, I agree uh, with you. Um, for the most part, I, I see the US UCMJ though as very important. And and one of the things I admired about the guy was he knew immediately when he published that what was going to happen to him under the UCMG. And he, I won't say he welcomed it, but he he he, he called it out. It. I mean, he said yeah, himself. He acknowledged, he acknowledged yeah. it. So he he knew that the, what the consequences were. He made the choice to accept those consequences, and that's and that's what I admire about him. But as far as the UCMJ goes, I think it's very important uh, to the good uh, order of the military. Uh, obviously, there are things in it that could be changed or tweaked or whatever. But for the most part, it served well since what the 1950s when it was when it was put together. Yeah, and quite and, honestly, and if I was accused of a crime of which I was innocent, I would prefer to be tried by court martial. If I was guilty, yeah, I, I'd prefer to I be agree. tried in the civilian world. <laughs> I, I you know what I, I, that's actually a really good point dale uh you know as a lawyer I, I can attest to the fact that uh you have a much better chance you're actually really being tried by your peers in uh court martial than you are in any court in the land quite frankly yeah well if you're an enlisted yeah. man not all of your peers one third of the court can be your peers yeah, but they're a lot you know, closer than to the random draw you get. Yeah, it's true. You know, it was inter interesting. I did a, uh, I, I was on a court martial uh, panel or jury in, in Korea. There were six of us, and it was all officers, and it was a spec board up for a general court. And uh, I, you know, it's been that's a long time ago, and I don't even remember what the band thing was about. But I do remember which surprised me more than anything. Cause I was, I was, I was, a I was the recording guy because I was a lieutenant. <laughs> you know? All the rest of the guys out on the, on the panel outranked to include Lieutenant Carl. So we, we listen to everything and we go in and sit down and I'm sitting there going, Oh boy, I'm going to be real popular because I can't find this guy. You know, and I, they're going to, they're going to sweat me out and I'm, uh, and I, they're going to intimidate. Every one of them came back with a not guilty. So, yeah. You have got to, you know, these guys sit there and look at it and they look at it from the standpoint of uh, leadership. Uh, was it was it this guy who did it or or what or did his unit leadership lose? And, and, and I do remember that basically the consensus was the unit leadership let this guy down and he was, you know, he shouldn't be up here. It should be the it should be the company commander. 
<laughs> but yeah, you can get uh, you can get uh, a pretty good fair trial, and the the military judges are good; they're very good. So yeah. Well, you know, it was like being a military policeman compared to civilian policemen. We had so many rules that governed our behavior and how we had to act on the street that civilian police departments never even worried about. Hey, you wanted to d dispense a little street justice in a civilian department? Hey, go right ahead. I, I can't imagine getting away with that in the military police force. No, you could. Nope. And I know this. I mean, I know a lot of cops and ex-cops and no you cannot do any of the things that they do yeah they, they they're they're the military has you know i i i i think of them as being the 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 last bit of the america that i grew up in left although it's well, rapidly it, as it's far as i can tell becoming not that well it's interesting because one of the things that the military has from top to bottom you know, uh, on, on range, obviously, is discipline and a sense of um, mission. I don't want to say self-respect, but at least, uh, um, I guess, self-accountability. I, I think that there is, at, even at the at the bottom level, you know, your worst soldier. And now I'm not saying that they're going to take accountability, but they know that they have to. They may try to avoid it uh, all they can, but they know that that's what they're fighting against, is that they, ac they actually have to take accountability for themselves. And they pretty much have an idea that they're going to lose at that. In the civilian world, there's so many excuses. Y you don't have to take, it's always somebody else's fault. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was battered. I don't know. And that, that doesn't mean that that's not a valid excuse. I'm, I, I'm not trying to say that, but I, I'm, I'm simply saying that, you know, th there are a lot of legal, ex acceptable legal excuses for, uh, you know, your own behavior. You don't have to be accountable. The, there's no sense that you have to be accountable for your actions. And that's, I think the biggest difference between civilian life and military life. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, based on what we've seen so far in the last nine months, it's becoming a little less that way in the military, at least at the yeah. highest level. Well, that's it. And what you have to understand too, is when you look at something like that, uh, uh, you know, at the, at the highest levels and, and, and they are not held accountable for what they did. You better believe that permeates the lower ranks. You better believe they they take a look at that and go, "Geez, what the hell? Why should I be, Why should I worry about stuff like that?" You know, hell, they can they can get people killed and screw up an entire country, and nothing happens to them. Hey, if I go AWOL for a couple of days, who gives a shit? What's the matter? Yeah, what's it matter? Yeah, what's it matter? All right. Well, switching gears, an interesting story today in the state of Missouri the Department of Education had a website uh, with a web a portal on there, and a, uh, it was accessible by the public. And as it turned out, they were also publishing inside the HTML source code uh, names and social security numbers and other personally identifiable information of various teachers. Well, someone found that out, 
and reported it, and the governor immediately went on the attack and said, we will not rest until we clearly understand the intentions of this individual and why they were targeting Missouri teachers. Okay, the problem is not that they were publishing personal information in plain HTML on a website. No, 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 that's not the problem. The problem is, and what did the the, the governor say? Um, they called him a hacker and uh, <laughs> said that this person... Um, through a multi-step process, an individual took the records of at least three educators, decoded, whatever that means, the HTML source code, <laughs> and viewed the SSN of those specific educators. Yeah, the multi-step process was to right-click on the web page and select view page source. <laughs> and now he's an elite hacker. And elite hacker. Yeah. So, and uh, we will not rest I just until we the milestone. <laughs> we will not rest until we clearly understand the intentions of this individual and why they were targeting Missouri teachers. And of course, this kind of response uh, is a response to the person who figured out that hey, the Department of Education um, has a screwed up website that's releasing pu information on a publicly available website to people. It's now his problem. He's the guilty one for finding it. Uh, although the governor did say they uh, they they did uh, remove public access to the portal so that they could update the code. Well, that's shutting the horse or shutting the horse after the barn door is left. But um, <laughs> I, again, yeah, he, so, so he made he, the, the horse shutting the horse. Yes, the shutting the horse after the barn. No, shutting the horse after the barn is the barn door is left. Yes, um, the. Uh, <laughs> But again, it's another example of this sort of two-class system. Somebody in the government is now being made to look bad, and so the first thing we have to do is scapegoat the person who made them look bad. No, that's exactly right. Because it, it cannot be that the government fucked up by... Why the fuck was that included in the HTML code? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we, have to, we, have to, we have to mobilize the full uh, law enforcement police powers of the state to find the guy who discovered that our website was screwed. Yeah, I remember in the old times, I mean, as back even in the 90s, people who discovered that got like high quality jobs saying, oh, can you show us how else we screwed up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, is this going to make people more or less likely to report these kind of problems? <laughs> or more or less likely to go and look for them? <laughs> And of course, the well, it's you know amusing on one level that they were so incompetent. What is less amusing is that these are the people who, at the state and federal level, it's these same people who are in charge of regulating technology. Yep. And yeah, you know, I, I begin to think of that old saying, you know, you know, government is Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> no, 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 it's Hollywood for the bottom third of your graduating class. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Well, there's there was a saying in in, in law school that uh, you know the the A students, you know, like the top third of your class go on to be law professors, uh, the middle third go on to be rich lawyers, and the bottom third go on to be judges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't surprise me. Somebody's got to be the judge. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of Hollywood for the lower third of your graduating class. Um, 
Now, he's a communist, so he's already presumptively not good at math. But Bernie Sanders has been spending the last week and a half now talking about Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, saying that two senators should not be able to override the will of 48 senators. Yeah, but 52 should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, where are the other 50 senators in this calculation? <laughs> Oh, he was hey, only talking way, about Michael, the ones that count. <laughs> by the way, Michael, how's it going up there in Loudoun County with your school? Oh, Jesus, mother fucking Christ. You know, I first of all, I, I never told my wife this, but I anticipated this long ago when we had our first kid 18 years ago. And just by way of reference, right now, I'm up in uh, Jersey uh, where my son is going to college. Uh, for parents day so that's why i'm coming to you remote but uh um back then i was like our kids are not going to public school she's like why i'm like my our kids are not going to public school <laughs> and i you know and so i was like well i want them to have the catholic religion blah 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 but i i knew even back then i, I did not want them exposed to the idiocy of public school well lo and behold nearly 20 years later that idiocy has uh, come full force. Loudoun County is, I, I won't say it's the worst because I think it's simply uh, an example of what's become endemic. Representative. Uh, very much so. It's just that a lot more attention is being paid to it because it's in the uh, DC environs. Um, well, that and, a, that, that and a couple of hidden rapes and that type of thing, yeah. Well, yeah, those and which aren't being talked about. Well, they are now. That part is not. (laughs) So, so well, let's set this up now. I, I assume that our listeners are probably well apprised of this, but if any of y'all aren't, let me do a quick synopsis. Uh, Guy's daughter gets uh, raped in a bathroom by a guy in a skirt uh, because they because the state. And then um, the county school board decided that uh, people could use whatever bathroom they felt most comfortable with. Okay. So this allegedly transgender, I don't think he's actually transgender. I think it was an excuse to be able to get closer to females uh, and use this excuse to very uh, uh, graphically and I mean, awfully raped this poor little, uh, like 13, maybe 14 year old, um, father finds out about it and, but, and the, the school school, the school board, um, everybody screwed this up, not screwed this up, but, uh, actively purposely screwed this up in order to protect themselves uh they have a school board meeting about a not even a month later uh because they're getting ready to pass this transgender bathroom thing and the guy shows up because he wants to you know talk about his daughter uh the school superintendent says no we've never had anything like that happen um he gets irate some activist, not from the county, uh, starts goading him. He gets pissed, obviously. 
and actually started goading his wife, uh, gets pissed and then, you know, gets obviously heated as I would or any father would, uh, telling him that his daughter was lying. Uh, he goes ballistic, but like, he, not physically ballistic, just angry. Well, you know, just angry enough to have the cops beat him up. They beat yeah, him up. Yeah, dragged him out of there, pants down, uh, nose bloodied, ends up uh, have, getting convicted of disorderly conduct and whatever else. Um, he didn't spend any time in jail. Well, he may have spent that night in jail. I don't, I don't even know, but, um, but you know, they, they convict him and then wipe away his time. He got, I think like a 10 day suspended sentence. He becomes the poster boy for, uh, the, it's too long a name to remember. It's like the national school board association of America, something like that. Uh, they write this letter to Merrick Garland, the, the uh, attorney general for America, and say, you know, we have these uh, domestic terrorists coming in and disrupting our school boards, and we need you to investigate them and bring the full force of the federal government. The federal government, first of all, has no fucking purview here whatsoever. These there's no international con or uh, international. There is no interstate commerce. There is no federal interest here. Zero, none. There is no reason at all for the federal uh, unless there are uh, individual rights um, being violated under Title Six or Title Seven, or possibly Title Nine. None of which apply in this case. There's simply no way for the federal government to be involved here. And yet they call in Merrick Garland's like, yeah, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. So turns out that this guy who's become now the uh, poster boy for, um, you know, domestic terrorism of uh, parents pissed off about the school's uh, teaching, not teaching CRT, that's actually incorrect. They're using a CRT, uh, I, I guess, laden method to present items of history and, and what um, whatnot. Basically, teaching that um, white people are oppressors, black people are all, um, uh, you know, oppressed, and we need to divide everybody up on race. So, parents understandably are quite against this and it doesn't even matter what their political persuasion is. I'm sorry. You may be hearing some popping uh, in the background. There, there, there's some fireworks going off. I, I don't know why. Um, that's and, what that is. Yeah. I thought I, you were breaking I, up ice for the next three. <laughs> I'm just very, very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this whole this whole thing has just been a travesty. Although one interesting thing did come out of it, um, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas managed to do something that no one has been able to do for twenty years, which is to get the female uh, member of the Loudoun County School Board to run away at top speed <laughs> to avoid answering questions, which is one of the more top speed, which was. Well, considering that she probably hasn't run at all in the last 20 years, it was a, it was an uh, impressive uh, effort. 
Are we talking about Beth Beth Bartz? Yes, her. Yeah, you know, she she resigned. Yes, today she resigned. Today. Yes, she did. And she's still under investigation, mind you. As she should be. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Because she was also involved with uh, helping the, the parents, and I'm using air quotes right now, parents organization, that was targeting um, those other parents who were saying, hey, you know, we don't necessarily like this stuff being taught to our kids. Uh, so they were, you know, trying to out them, dox them. Uh, that's what the cool kids say today. And <laughs> all, all kinds of nefarious things, putting together groups to go after them. And, I mean, she's on the freaking school board. For Loudoun County. Yep. Loudoun County. Now, let's take just a little snapshot of Loudoun County. Loudoun County is basically an exurb of Washington, D.C. It's also one of the richest counties. I think it's the, if it's not the first, it's the second richest county in the country. Um, these are very, very wealthy people, and they're very, very wealthy because of the federal government. Um, they are, it used to be a pretty red place until, uh, I don't know, about maybe 10 years ago. And now it's, you know, it's Marxism central. Uh, it, it is ridiculous that these assholes think that they can control what parents do, but my own a putative governor, uh, actually ex-governor, he was already governor, uh, said, you know, I don't want parents uh, telling, I don't think it's right for parents to tell the, the school teachers what to teach. Oh, really? Yes, the quickest Glenn Youngkin ad ever made. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not sure. I don't know how much I like this guy. I gotta be honest. There's something plastic about him that I'm, I'm just not sure about. But compared to uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe? Known liar down. Terry McAuliffe, by the way. Well, known mean, liar, known a, cheat, known everything. Yeah, Terry, Terry McAuliffe defines plastic. That's yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, this is the guy that stopped off why his guy is giving, uh, why his uh, wife is giving, like, literally in labor, to do a fundraising event, walk in, glad hands some people, uh, get some money commitments, and then go back out to take her to the fucking hospital. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, priorities. I mean, this guy is, is, is just, and he was a bag man for the Clintons. Mm-hmm. He, he is uh, literally, in every sense of the term, a, carton ba- a carpet bagger. <laughs> I mean, he has nothing to do with Virginia. He literally has nothing to do with Virginia. And let's not and even yet, talk about global crossing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Or, or, uh, what was the other one? Sinna's sin something. Uh, he was involved in that too. Um, yeah, but well, the one, so this was back during the Obama regime when he, uh, got a bunch of donors to throw a, a huge amount of money into some supposedly green, uh, jobs creating thing. And the only thing it ever created was, uh, a bunch of visas, for foreigners, mostly from China, who 
because of this program, if they committed to investing, I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars or maybe it was more. Um, if they committed to a hundred thousand dollars, they would get a green card. And that's where he went. And that's the only money ever made. The, the rest of the thing uh, went bankrupt. They never, uh, I, I think it was supposed to be solar panels. They never made a single solar panel. Solyndra? Uh, they never made anything. Solyndra, that's it, Solyndra. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm just, I, I am not surprised, although I should be, uh, that he did not go to federal prison for the whole global crossing thing where billions of dollars of investors' money just disappeared overnight. Nobody knows where they went. Yep. Again, we're money gone. That's the, that's the class system. We are living in um, pre sixteen fifty England right now. Yeah, it sure seems like that. And I, 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 I don't know how. Absent some massive and fundamental change to the way the American government works, I don't know how to reel that back in. Well, you know what they solved in 1650. <laughs> yes, I do. But who is our who is our Oliver Cromwell? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The the uh, the cure that's worse than the disease. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the man who never thought he was wrong. But who's one of whose most famous uh, sayings is, "I beseech you in the bowels of Christ to think that you may be wrong." Yeah, I remember his uh, heal thyself uh, position when he went I, I never, into. I, I never trust anybody that that, that uh, talks about the bowels of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when he he went to uh, uh, Western Ireland uh, to rout out, and this is part of the Orange Revolution to route out the Catholics and he was in Galway, which is on the, on the extreme West coast. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of barren. He's like, uh, nary a tree to hang a man from, but plenty of cliffs to throw them off. <laughs> well, you know, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. He was resourceful. I will give him that. <laughs> yes, he was. All right. Anybody else got anything they wanted to cover that we haven't talked about? I think we've hit the high spots. I think we have too. I I I, I live in a state of. of oh, can we? I, I look. I, I I it doesn't have to be long. But can we at least talk about the Joe Rogan and Sanjay Gupta oh, thing? Oh yeah, let's let's cover that. Sanjay Gupta, the medical correspondent for CNN, um, CNN a couple of weeks ago when Joe Rogan had got COVID, he came out and said, "Yeah, I got you know several things." He had several treatments, and among the treatments and medications that he mentioned just happened to be ivermectin. And, of course, CNN immediately went on and said, Joe Rogan took horse dewormer for uh, for COVID, which, of course, they know to be a lie. He wasn't given horse dewormer. Yes, horse dewormer contains ivermectin, but at a much higher uh, level. Joe Rogan took the human ivermectin medication and they had they had horse dewormer on the fucking chiron on cnn anytime they talked about it well he had sanjay gupta on the podcast and joe rogan being joe rogan and it must be interesting to live a life knowing that you can beat the shit out of anyone you talk to um <laughs> he just hit sanjay gupta and so how do you feel about your organization lying that i took horse dewormer and 
it was. Well, I don't think they lied, did they? What did yeah, they say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Joe Rogan set him straight on that. And it was really interesting that Joe Rogan, and it was kind of uncomfortable that Sanjay Gupta started the the laughing, you know, the nervous laughter. <laughs> well, what, Kamala, Kamala laugh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, of course, after that, he went on with uh, Don Lemon, and they tried to sort of, you know, poo-poo it. But I mean. Oh, yeah, you handled it greatly. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did it great. I, I'm wondering if any other CNN employee will ever be allowed to go on Joe Rogan's podcast again. Well, you know, the only reason he, that, that he was allowed, allowed, is because uh, Joe Rogan threatened to sue. And so they were like, I don't know, we, we don't need to go there. And if I was fine, you get somebody on my podcast to answer these questions. And look, if I was Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan took over like a boss, he was like, I remember at one point Gupta was like, wait, you're going so fast. And I, I just, I want to go back to, no, we're going <laughs> to, no. uh, I want yeah, you to answer exactly. this question. <laughs> and the way Joe says that, no, <laughs> like, there's no doubt that you are not going back to what we were talking about. <laughs> well, and the thing is, that that's what I like about Joe Rogan. He's like, no, no, no. I understand obfuscation when I see it. I'm going to, we're going to settle this point before we move on to any other thing. And the thing is, I mean, he runs a four hour fucking podcast. <laughs> it's the most popular podcast in the world. I mean, he obviously has a way about running conversations that works. Uh, so when he was like, no, look, we're, we're going to settle this thing first and then we'll go on to whatever else. But no. Let's stick to this. How do you, I mean, how do you feel about working for a, a company that just outright lied? They just outright lied. Well, they shouldn't have said that. That was his answer. Yeah, that was the whole answer. Right there. Now, here's what Joe Rogan needs to do. Joe Rogan needs to sue them uh, for defamation. But now he has uh, great grounds to do it. Exactly. So he needs to sue them for defamation. But... I mean, look, he made, what, $120 million for that podcast? So, yeah. So he's fine. He doesn't need the money. What He, he doesn't needs, care about the money. What he needs <laughs> is to force Don Lemon and Sanjay Gupta and uh, Anderson Cooper to go on their shows and right up front make a retraction and say that they were wrong and that they lied. Joe Rogan never took horse dewormer. That would be the settlement I would look for. And I would go to court to force that settlement on him if I had to. If I had $120 million, I can play, I can play the courtroom game with CNN. And I think he should. I, well, you know what? I think he might. <laughs> I mean, because that's who he is. That's exactly who he is. I mean, he's a fucking MMA fighter. Well, I mean, uh, he's sort a of. But, commentator. But, he, but it's his interest, right? I mean, and the guy's a badass. And he's also, he doesn't pull any punches. He's also politically indescribable. I, I mean, I don't know what the fuck he is. I mean, and that's, I like that about him because frankly, I don't even know what the fuck I am. You know, I've been, I, I think that that's how most individuals actually are. They're not really wed to, they're wed to certain things. But they may be wed to other certain things that, you know, are on a different supposed side. I think that's and I like that Joe Rogan approaches that way. Like, this is who I am. This is what I think. And 
he's also a skeptic and he's like, he challenges everything and he challenges it with as many facts as he can find. And he's willing to admit if he's wrong. I, I, I mean, Joe Rogan is actually a, a, a breath of fresh air when it comes to what we accept right now for political commentary. You know, I mean, they're, well, you know, one of the reasons why I think he has so much resonance for people who actually probably don't know, I I have no idea whether he's a Democrat or a Republican or what he is. Um, I don't either. uh, And I'm not sure he is either a Democrat or a Republican. And I think he, I think that an increasing number, well, it's clear just looking at voter registration, an increasing number of people in this country just don't have a specific party affiliation. I, I here in California, um, I have no party affiliation. I mean, you'd think if anybody was going to be a Republican to try to fight against what what goes on here, it would be me. But I I don't trust the Republican Party any more than I trust the Democratic Party. I, I yeah, I'm not registered with a party. I I, I, I feel never have been. I feel politically homeless. Yeah, and I never have been, and I won't. I I don't, and I don't. I don't know why I would want to be uh, unless I'm going to run for office, I guess, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to be tied down that way. Oh, by the way, because, I, I don't know that if this is true or not, but one of our listeners says Gupta apparently tried to claim that he was afraid that Rogan would physically attack him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Of course that comes out. <laughs> you know what? I don't know who the listener is, but it, it doesn't surprise me if that is true. Whiny bastard. Well, that it's true that he somehow leaked that, or I don't think he was at all afraid. I I think that uh, that's a back channel. um, Yeah. Well, the big the big picture that I'm seeing right now is the two of them standing there, sitting there, looking at each other and laughing. So, well, I mean, good to have the laugh because what else is he going to do? Well, they're both laughing, and and the whole point was, I'm sure it was tense. He was he was confronting the guy with what his company does, but I you know I didn't get the impression that he was blaming Gupta. He just asked him how he no. felt working for a company that lied. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and asked I mean, him, do you think it's a problem if, if a media he, company lies? If you feel threatened uh, with that question, then you're just a freaking wimp. Well, you know that the problem is that that people like Sanjay Gupta and Don Lemon or whatever. How often do you see them actually talking to people that will call them to account, that will disagree with them, that will force them well, onto the carpet? They simply don't. They, they fall into that big class of those that can dish it out but can't take it. And so when they have to take it and, and, they, and they look bad when they do take it, they try and claim other things. I mean, that's just that's a coward's way out. You know, I saw a great example of that today uh, where... And I think it's a, a somewhat old example. I don't know why it came out today, but um, it was one of the editors for the Babylon Bee being um, interviewed by, I think, a New York Times or possibly the New Yorker uh, about like a joke that they put up. And I'm trying to remember the joke. It was something. Yeah, I saw that too. It, it, was, um, it was painful. It was painful and. Um... Uh, uncomfortable to read because the person is taking what is obviously a joke. And I don't know yeah, whether it was something they about like an op-ed on Suleiman Sol- uh, when, when, uh, when Suleiman yeah, Democrats, died, you know, oh, they low and they wanted to lower the, the flag. Yeah. They wanted mast. to lower the flag to half mast <laughs> when Suleiman was killed. Right. So why is that funny? 
Like really? <laughs> and 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 just listening to him explain a joke is the worst thing because the person that is in the interview is just clearly not getting it. I mean, has no under no understanding of why it would be funny. And I, and you know, you can't explain a joke and then make it funny to people, right? It, it, if you don't get the joke, well, you just is, don't get it. If you don't get it, there's there's two choices. The funny, the the the, the joke isn't funny. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Which is a, a very real possibility. Or you don't get it because maybe you're the object of the joke. Yeah, or, <laughs> right? or you, at that point, you just don't want to get it. Well, and uh, okay, I guess that's the third possibility that you're actively uh, being ignorant. Yeah, that's that's that sounds more like what was going on there. They were just actively being ignorant. They just didn't want to acknowledge that. You know, as a joke, it's funny. But you know, I see that. You know, we've seen it with Dave Chappelle over the past two weeks with the release of his comedy special. Yeah, uh, yeah. and we've seen it. You know, for longer than that with the Babylon Bee, where you know the Snopes has to fact check a satire <laughs> website. I mean, they, they they actually fact check that claim. That Democrats wanted to lower the the, the flag to half. Yeah, this this claim is false. It's it's just it, 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 we are <laughs> reaching a point where there are only a very narrow range of allowable opinions or allowable jokes, and that is a really really bad sign for a culture. Well, we're we're we are in Poe's law territory of. Every single thing that comes out of anybody's mouth at this point. Well, who was it this last week that that uh, somebody on the left that was forced to resign because uh, no, it was in the NFL. Um, he uh, John Gruden. Yeah, John Gruden. Gruden. He 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 made some off-color tweets a decade ago. Not even tweets. They were private conversations. And this is what's so funny about all this is. These things come out because of an investigation into the Washington Redskins. Excuse me, the Washington um, football football team. team. (laughs) Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And so it had nothing to do with John Gruden. It was, you know, collateral damage, I guess. Uh, But that's the thing that gets leaked. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, well, it's well, it's, it's, it's amazing. Because, yeah, just it, it, as veterans as, as you all are um, of Washington speak and leaks, that means the emails between Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen and wh- whoever other internal people are way worse, <laughs> right? Yeah. This, right? This is the modified mm-hmm. limited hangout. Yeah, so they get rid of him. Um, but, you know, these, these things, you know, the, the language has changed to the point where I saw today that uh, the new term is prostate possessors. What? Yeah, men. What, what you would call a man. Uh, someone who possesses a prostate. We're, we're now just going down to, to the only th- way that we can tell people apart is whether they have a prostate or a uterus. Well, you know, I'm still wondering <clears throat> if at least they're being biological, gender, I guess. Yeah. But I, what I want to know is if gender is a social construct, why in the hell do they need surgery? You know, I just don't well, care. yeah, that makes a 
<laughs> but here's the thing I don't get, and I brought this up before. Okay, lesbian. Okay, that's sexual attraction. Bi. All right, that's sexual attraction. Gay. All right, well, that's the man version of lesbian. Okay, fine. Sexual attraction. Trans. Okay, wait, which wouldn't it fit in the other two? Is that a subcategory? Questioning. No, that's biology, my friend. Gender is well, a What construct. the fuck has that got to do with anything? Um, and I don't even know what the other ones are. What the fuck is any of the, like, it started out, look, I get the L, I get the B, and I get the G. The rest I don't get, because, like, on one hand, it's a, it's a sexual urge. Okay, I can understand that. That's, a, to me, a biological thing, right? I mean, sexual urges, as I've been taught and seemingly everybody who has ever studied any biology has been taught that sexual urges are innate. We have them because we're sort of uh, commanded by our cells to propagate the species. Every single species of every single kingdom on the planet has this exact same um you know, uh, uh, force or, or, uh, uh, are compelled the same way that propagate the species. Um, and we have different ways of doing it, blah, blah, blah. But that's the, the main thing. What the fuck has sexual preference got to do with any of it? I, I don't even understand that. I, like, I don't understand how these things are combined. You mean, you mean, gen, you mean gender preference? Well, but fine. Call whatever you want. Because you just talked about sexual preference right? You know, and the sexual urges. But yeah, that makes sense. Those are all sexual. Those are all sexual urges. The other one is just a made up thing. Well, I have a preference for, a, I, I feel that I should be something else. Well, you're not. And no matter what we do to you, uh, surgically or or medically, you're not going to be that thing. Hey, look, so, I like I, I I like girls with really nice asses dressed up in schoolgirl uh, costumes. Yeah, I know, I know. But okay, do, but the, do but I get point, a do I get a letter? No, but I think like, there's like, I, I, I think there's a I think there's a fundamental difference between your sexual um, yeah whatever sex you're attracted to and. Um, whatever gender you feel like you are there is certainly a sexual component to that but i i'm i'm and i'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist but i i don't see it as being the same thing it does seem yeah. to me to be more of a body dysmorphia thing than it does a sexual right. preference thing so i think i think exactly. we're in, we're in two related but uh, different domains well the, yeah. and, and that's my point i think it should stop after lbg yeah, well, the, the rest doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, like, why are they combined? It, well, they've even changed the flag now. Have you seen what the new flag is? Yeah, it's got like it's weird, it's like like triangles in it and, and stuff, and... V's and colors. It's 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 now become too hard for a child to draw on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> you always know. Hey, that, did you, you always know your flag up? is getting way too confusing when when <laughs> first graders can't draw it in art class. <laughs> hey. Listen, speaking of, of, of uh, children in class, 
you know, every kid at Rock Creek Elementary School in good old South Carolina wanted to be in Vic, uh, Victoria Weiss's class because <clears throat> they found out that Victoria was handing out. She had a she had a, uh, a reward box, and she was handing out rewards to these little kids full <laughs> full of marijuana. <laughs> What? Oh shit! What? <laughs> yeah, she resigned her position today because uh, they pulled two packs of marijuana edibles from her in-class reward box out. I bet All those were the candy. I bet those were the those calmest, the happy class. I, I bet they were the calmest, best-behaved class of school kids <laughs> that this country has seen since the 1940s. And I bet they had the best art. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Very introspective, no doubt. Well, you know, you like I, I agree with you one hundred percent with the the position that you took with your wife and and your kids via vis a vis public school. And I, as Glenn Reynolds, Instapundent, has said for years, um, anyone who sends abuse. their kids to public school is really engaging in child abuse at this point. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I, I don't regret that decision at all. And now, look, I have friends who are uh, grade school, uh, public grade school teachers. I have friends who have kids in public school. And supposedly we have the best uh, in Northern Virginia. Um, and I'm, all I can say, and I don't say it to them, uh, but all I can think is, <laughs> I mean, okay. You just so don't know what's going how on. How low is that bar? <laughs> yeah, well, I, th I think they don't know what's going on. You know, one of the reasons why I think school boards are freaking out now about all these parents showing up saying, hey, what are you what are you idiots doing um, is because for the past 50 or 60 years, nobody ever shows up at school board meetings. Why would you? Hell, we don't even know who we vote for for the school boards. We don't know who these people are. We don't care. And we uh, are now starting to face the consequences of not caring for half a century. Well, and they also didn't have access to uh, when once they went to Zoom, uh, the parents didn't have access to actually what was going on in class. And once they started seeing that, I'm like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> and when they started checking out the libraries, like, wait, I'm finding graphic. Now, this wasn't always there either, too. I mean, th th this was this is a rather new phenomenon. Another thing out of Loudoun County, I actually no, I'm sorry, that was Fairfax County, uh, where th they had these sexually explicit uh, NAMBLA approved uh, type books in the library, and some, you know, some kid brought one back, showed it to his mom, and she was like, "What the fuck." <laughs> Well, they had that. They had that woman in that school board meeting that was reading one of the the, the sex education uh, for elementary yeah. schools. Um, was saying, yes, he. I, I put my penis in his mouth, and then he put his yeah. penis in my mouth, and it felt it, okay. I'm pretty sure that's not something we should be given to uh, elementary school kids. Well, what was what was ironic is is the people on the school board were yelling at her, saying that's not appropriate in here. And she's real about yeah, that's exactly. what I'm trying to say. Like, that's not appropriate in here at all. <laughs> exactly. You're making my point for me. Thank you very much. If it's not appropriate I mean, for adults at a school board meeting, how in the world yeah. is it appropriate for uh, eight-year-old to ten-year-old kids uh, in public school? But yeah, then you go yeah. look up Twitter. So I have a handle on Twitter. I'm not saying what it is because I'm keeping it really secret. But well, you guys might have figured it out, but um, 
so I, I, I uh, like, you know, or whatever, uh, friend, what's it called on Twitter? Follow. Follow. And, uh, so, you know, I follow as many of these left-wing idiots as possible and I don't engage them. I, I just really just want to monitor, just, you know, see what they're saying. Uh, cause you can't argue with them. It's, it's pointless, but I, ju- I, I really do want to see what they're saying and talk about alternative, uh, rena- reality. Oh yeah. They, they are what they see uh, specifically this mother. And I've seen specifically on this mother they're trying to burn books that they they are trying to uh eradicate education they want to burn books yeah that's like, because it, that's because it always comes back to nazis anytime you agree with them right there's always some nazi thing associated with it and it has to be fought as if you were fighting world war ii again it's a useful rhetorical uh device but it's completely false However, on that note, we're about an hour and a half into this thing, so I think we're going to have to cut her off and uh, pick it up again next week, guys. All right. Later on. All right. Have a great night. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Observations Q&A Podcast for Friday, the 15th of October, 2021. On behalf of Bruce McQuain and Michael Wade, this is Dale Frank saying thanks for listening. We hope you'll be listening again next time in the interim. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. So long. So long.